Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. If you're uh, somebody who struggles with jet lag, many people have their own personal hacks to help. And most of them involve sleep patterns. I know people who have had to take very long flights who just get on the plane and take a whack of sleeping pills and knock themselves out. But uh, research shows that the quickest way to recalibrate your internal clock is to immediately sync up to the regular meal times in your new time zone. So if you just got off a long flight, but it's morning where you landed, enjoy a big breakfast, even if you've been on the go for almost a full day. Okay. Researchers say jet lag isn't just about a disruption of your internal clock. Your body has multiple clocks, and jet lag happens when they have conflicting time cues. The brain's clock is influenced by sunlight, but other organs adjust their clocks during specific meal times that they're used to. Basically, the idea is to trick your body into thinking that you weren't on a flight and that the current time in your new time zone is your current time. It's. Uh, I always wonder with uh, pilots and with uh, flight attendants how they do it. They must be just jet lagged all the time. I would assume they kind of just stay on their own time, you know, as, as much as possible. It's probably this this thing about eating, right? You know. Well, and, and you know, like sports teams. <laughs> I think like the Jays were in Oakland two days ago, mm-hmm. or back home today. Right? We I mean, three four hour time differences. You know, you you would think that would affect your, the body after a while, mm-hmm. and and certainly when you get up and you know, perform, and the hockey teams talk about this, you go through the Western swing, and it's why you try and get as many games in as you can in one Western road trip. But when you're you're flying across country all the time to play games, I always find it hits you more uh, on your return than when you're going because usually it's onto a vacation, and so you're so excited about being on the vacation. Your brain is uh, stimulated to probably stay awake more or not feel that lag. But when you get home, sometimes, if, especially if you've been to Europe and back, boy, it can really kick your arse for a few days. I think part of it, too, is just how much you, you know, when you're on vacation, especially in Europe, you're trying to fit in so much. You're mm-hmm. on the go constantly. You know, so when you get back, yeah, you're tired. It's not just the, the time difference. Some of it is you're just trying to recover. Yeah, no, I think so. But, yeah, when you're dealing with five and six hours uh, difference, uh, it can certainly throw you off. That's why I always laugh at our time change when people lose their minds over an hour either way. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I'm so confused. Um, It really makes no sense. But anyhow, I I find being on a plane, uh, I just get tired the second my butt is in the seat. Hmm. I just want to fall asleep, right? Like I literally start to pass out. I can't even... Fight through it. Sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think it's the anxiety. Did you say, and are you worry. anxious? Not about the. Fl- well, I think it's just all of the. I'm not an anxious flyer. I was. I remember at one point I had to like take medication to just sedate me to get on the plane, but that seems to have gone away. I just think it's the, the hustle of like getting to the airport, the packing, the organizing, the going through customs, all of that stuff. So when you finally do just sit down, mm. my body just goes. 
It's very much a hurry up and wait system. Yeah. Right? Because you feel rushed. Oh my God, I gotta get to the airport. You gotta, the alarm's gotta get off. We're setting two, three alarms. Yeah. You're in a panic and rush to get the, your, your car checked in or car service getting there, whatever it is. Yeah. You finally get there. You gotta sit and wait in line to, I gotta miss this flight. And then when you finally get through security, you realize you got an hour and a half to wait. Yeah. <laughs> and you sit there and your body just kind of goes, ugh. I will give anybody, uh, anybody uh, living on the east end of the city a, a tip. Since I now live on this side of the 400, when I lived in the west end, of course, getting to Pearson was easy peasy and no problem. But, of course, being on this side, it can be difficult, and especially if you got a flight early in the morning. Uh, we've tried a bunch of different things. We stayed over at a hotel near the airport. We've used um, a bit like park and fly and all of this stuff. By far, hands down, and it really doesn't cost that much more than leaving your car at a uh, a parking place for a week, is the uh, airport limo service. Mm-hmm. It really is the best. One, you don't have to ride on a bus with everybody else to get to your terminal. You don't have to stand outside in the cold waiting for the bus to come around and then fight with everybody else to get on it. Staying at a hotel can be extremely expensive because now you go, oh, well, let's go downstairs to the lobby and have a drink. And, let's, yeah. you know, this way, even if you're going south in the winter, the car shows up. It's usually a big SUV and whatever, or even a stretch, not a stretch limo, but a bigger sedan. They've got the heat on inside. It's warm. They put your luggage in the trunk. They drive you there. Yeah, you tip them, of course. But then when you're coming home, it's prearranged that they're going to meet you. And really, it costs a lot less than the hotel and about the same as a parking yeah. lot. I think for some, it's the reliance on someone else as part of their plans, mm. right? Like if that guy doesn't show up uh, and and adds to the stress of that morning. Mm-hmm. But it really is. And, you know, I, I had to convince my parents the last time they flew. Because for years, they was park and get on the shuttle and off yeah. you go. And they, they thought that was convenient. I said, not at, at this point, no. They drop you right at the door. They take yeah, they <laughs> load your luggage in and they take it out for you. Couldn't be easy. No, I know. And most of these. Now, the one company I used, uh, they were terrific. They were right there waiting for us uh, when we landed. And I'm sure there are situations, snowstorms and other things that might delay these drivers. But most of these companies are 24-7. Right. So even if you, uh, if your driver isn't there, you can call and you'll get a person who will then get somebody over there. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, for the money and the time and the hassle, it's, I think, uh, you know, well worth it. Why in this uh, GTA at this point with all of the people we have, I know there's always been talk of a Pickering Airport and all of that. But it, it's insane that we've only got one airport. It, it's crazy. Well, I mean, there's more flights going out of the island these days, too. But the problem is, and, and you know, they have made good improvements in the transit to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, From the, downtown. From downtown. That up works quite well. And if yeah. you're in the east end, you can, you know, go train it down to it. Yeah. But it's still a lot of moving around. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts, especially yeah. if you're taking a whole big set of luggage and a family with you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Carting the kids and everything. No, no. Uh, find yourself a uh, car service the next time you take a vacation. There's a, a dude in Florida. He's facing uh, charges after the uh, Coast Guard caught him uh, miles off of the uh, coast of Georgia, about 70 miles, in a homemade hydropod, which is kind of like a giant hamster wheel. <laughs> he claims he's a marathon runner who was trying to run to London. Oh. In this hamster wheel, 
And the uh, Coast Guard found him. He wasn't exactly calm about the situation, and he refused to leave his vessel for three days. Holy cow. They said they were cutting short his unsafe voyage, and he responded by threatening to kill himself and claimed to have a bomb on board. Right. That turned out to be fake. You know, in these type of situations, save the money, Coast Guard. (laughs) Let him go. (laughs) He wants to run to London. Let him run to London. If he doesn't make it... He's a shark food. It's on him. Yeah. Why waste the money? Right. I mean, he's not like he's got hostages with him. It's not like he's, you know, he's, I I guess he could cause trouble by getting in the way of ships or something. But outside of that. Well, I I guess if it's if they get the distress signal when he's much further out, then it becomes a a massive rescue and big problem. Right. International issue. This isn't the first time he's been caught in the hamster wheel. He's been apprehended at least three previous times, including a couple of years ago when he was trying to make it from Florida to New York. Take a bus. <laughs> that time he made it about 25 miles before washing ashore. Right. Hey, you got to think that's tough. If you're going against the waves. That'd be a big issue. Yeah. He says he'll never give up on this insanity. Right. Well, then maybe... Uh... Maybe we just give him a treadmill in the in the loony ward, and there you go. <laughs> give him the uh, what is it? The virtual reality headgear. <laughs> That's right. To strap that on him. Let him pretend he's You're out in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's splashing water on him every every few minutes. I mean, you know, it's a crazy story, but it's something that makes him unique, and it is an interesting look at just how we are as human beings. When some of us just go through life. Just skating by, bare minimum. Don't want to try the norms from Cheers. We just, we just want to get through the day and go home and watch some television and be left alone. Mm-hmm. And others go out of their way to make their life completely complicated. <laughs> it's inventing a floating hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. Even hamsters think he's an idiot. <laughs> Got to thank uh, Kelly. Kelly is a listener who sends us just tons of stuff. I don't know where he finds half of this stuff, but he's constantly feeding us things, and some of it we use and some of it we don't. But I appreciate that he takes the time to. He's like the uh, producer. We don't have to pay, yeah. which is great. <laughs> That's right. He's really good. <laughs> he's good that way. Yeah, there's a few mornings you're in here struggling to find something to talk about. Where's Kelly? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Send me something. I should, we should get his number. <laughs> Call him at 6 a.m. Hey, what are you doing? Anyhow, uh, he just sent this, and I thought it was very funny. I think this uh, capsulates um, our relationship and more so how you treat me. Here we go. There is a bunch of things that when people treat you a certain way, there's a reason that they do these things. Top of the list, not congratulating you on your success. You are guilty of that. You never compliment me when I get something done right or I win something or I do well. You never say boo. What have you you won? Well, nothing yet. (laughs) But one day. Oh, right. Belittling. You belittle me all the time. What? Avoiding you when you win, expressing joy when I lose. That is 100%. When something goes wrong for me, you laugh. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've lost family members. Lucky laughed at me about it. (laughs) Always judging and criticizing my decisions, and you know that's true. Uh, I mock them. Well, it's the same. Because I, <laughs> I'm only echoing those around. Now, it also says, 
purposely giving bad advice. You don't give advice either way, bad or good. That's not true. Competing by showing off what you have. <laughs> yes, you're very guilty of that. You don't copy me. There's none of that. Okay. No. Talking about me behind my back, for sure, 100% that's true. Right, sure. Blaming you, blaming me, for your downfalls. It's it's my fault that you're stuck here with me. This all means that you're jealous of me. Right. You know, we still, we still have these COVID screens up in here, and I'm wondering if this plexiglass is mirrored on your side. <laughs> Okay, turn this on me. What do I do? I do I not congratulate you? Did I congratulate you on your hockey stuff? And you mock it constantly. And here's a real honesty for the listener: I have to. <laughs> if I just sat here and said like everybody else does, oh, that's amazing, Lucky. This show would be a bore fest, right? So I say, what are you going to do about the ward? What are you going to do about the weight? What are you going to do about the green? Would that team? be the belittling part? Well, just at least we got to have some fun with it. If I just ooze all over you like everybody else does, expressing joy when I lose. Oh yeah, well, because you never lose. <laughs> It, your name has meaning. Always judging? Well, I judge your passion of hockey because I think it's a real sickness. I think you really have a problem and need to lie down. It's not that you're just a hockey fan. Right. The fact that you are involved in all aspects, mm-hmm. from play-by-play to watching it to your kids to watching video, I see you here drooling right. over highlights of hockey. Your obsession with it is a bit much. I think I'm right. <laughs> Blaming me for your downfalls? <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I do that. Right. No, I don't think I blame you for that. And I know my down, my downfalls are my own. Talking behind my back. 100% I do. <laughs> I'll fully admit it. And if you can't admit you've done the same, then you're an out-and-out liar. I only say nice things about Bull. you behind your back. Bull poop. <laughs> My ears burn. Oh, my especially, goodness. Especially early on when I know you and Adrian were at home just bad-mouthing the hell out of me. I think I've won you over to the dark side a bit, but I think you didn't know what the hell to make of me early on. Because I would see us talking about things, and I would see you cringing right. and turtling. Uh-huh. Now, you're almost as vile or worse than me a lot of the time. <laughs> There are things you say that make Uh-oh. me think, oh, no. Maybe I am copying you. <laughs> All right, maybe we both suck. Would you say your relationship is an opposites attract scenario? Many of us believe that to be true, that opposites attract. But it's uh, been figured out now that, that just might be a myth. We're more likely to end up with people we have stuff in common with. And I would say that uh, in my situation with the lovely Maria, it is full-on opposites of fact. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything in our upbringing or our lifestyles that led to each other that uh, had anything in common. Right. At all. Yeah, Zero. well, I'll agree with you during every argument. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess... We, we, if you're looking for the, uh, the Jerry Maguire, someone to complete you, mm. then you are looking for some of those opposite, opposite things or things that you are not, right? I think over time, you end up having a lot of stuff in common. You end up maybe enjoying the same foods or you enjoy the same shows. 
uh, or you just end up, you know, designing your home in the way the more dominant spouse, the wife, <laughs> likes the house to be designed. Uh, so I think over time, maybe you blend into each other and kind of end up having a lot of similarities. But anyhow, a study was done looking at uh, 22 different traits. They did a follow-up of 80,000 couples and more than 130 traits, everything from religion and core values to each person's drinking habits. See, they're just those three. <laughs> I don't believe in Sky Daddy. I think Maria's swaying more to the not believing now because I won't relent on that. But she was fully on board with the the Sky Daddy. I, 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 core values. What are core values? Just uh, how you treat people, uh, how you are right. as a human being. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe there must have been some of that, I guess. And I obviously drink much more than she does. Mm-hmm. Do you drink the same things? Is she a beer drinker? No. Well, she wine. Corona. She'll No, no. She likes her. Well, here's the thing. And I think this is probably true of a lot of people who uh, she's not a big drinker. So she's all over the map. She never really knows what she wants. Right. One day it's a seltzer. The next day it's like a white cloth. And now she's into Negronis and uh, what was her summer drink? Aperol spritz. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, these things. So I, I, I constantly have to, my fridge looks like an LCBO because I never know <laughs> what she wants. I've got my, you know, red wine and beer. Right. And the occasional, uh, whiskey. And, and, uh, anyhow, yeah. What about to you and Adrian? Do you think you've got a lot of similarities? You think you're, you're more opposites attract you? The religion side, the core value, the drinking habits, those three. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Was one of you a non-believer and the other is when it comes to uh, religion? I think we just raised differently that way. Right. Um, You know, I'm never hardcore Catholic, but raised Catholic and and, uh, she wasn't, but but not to your (laughs) extent extent, Mm. uh, of that either. Um, Core values, I'd say, we're, we're pretty aligned on. Um, in terms of how we treat people and others, uh, and uh, and she's not she's not clamoring to have people over at our house either. So oh, that's good. You know that that works out well. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you just uh, drilled that into her, or do you think she also felt that way from the beginning? Well, I think she kind of felt that way. She seems to be more like the person who would like to host things. Yeah, but I I think you know. When we first met, like her group of friends, there were others that hosted all the time. Okay, there were like one that basically hosted everything, right? And then, and then that just kind of became it. Uh, things we're most likely to have in common include our political views, our religious views, education level, how much each person drinks and smokes, and even the number of sexual partners you've had. Interesting. Well, I think for a lot of of, of people, uh, some of that comes down to how you met. Mm. You know, so many people meet in you know, church environment or, or you know, bar. Catholic school growing up. Right. Right. That kind of thing. Or, you know, if you meet at the education level, you meet at university right. and end up getting married or you meet at a bar. Those or at work. Those kind of things all seem to align. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think Marie and I are pretty politically aligned, uh, certainly not religiously. Uh, education level, exactly the same, both just community college. I would say you would find more now of couples who aren't so aligned when they first meet because of online dating. Mm. 
right? However, some profiles, people are looking for things that align to them. Right. So it's an interesting kind of mix. It is found that extroverts don't necessarily go for other extroverts, but they're no, they're no more likely to go for introverts either. It's a coin flip. Overall, they found that the opposites attract is definitely overrated. It seems birds of a feather are indeed more likely to flock together. Now, I will say when it comes to the extroverts and introverts, by far I am the extrovert, and by far Maria is the introvert, and she likes it that way. Hmm. And I think that's probably good for us. I don't want to battle for attention. <laughs> I want to be the center of attention. <laughs> I can walk into a room and start talking to everybody, and she'll just stay in the corner. She doesn't want. She's really good one-on-one. She feels very uncomfortable. Being, oh, being the center of attention. Okay, and it does not like it. You guys, because you're uh, both in radio, which really does lead people to like to be the center of attention. Yeah, but uh, but I don't think either of us got into this business to be the center of attention, and and that is sometimes a big difference with people in this in this industry. There's hmm. some who just get into it just because they want to be. Oh, me fully. <laughs> I could care less about the music, the songs, the artists. <laughs> I don't care about any of it. I just care about the on and off mic button. Right. That's all. Yeah. The music never engaged me. Mm. Whereas I know you've mentioned it. You thought it would be cool to talk to artists and talk music. Yeah, that lasted for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Same with the hockey side, too, right? right? Like, I, I, you know, getting to know the players and meet them, that's not really why I do that. It, Mm. It was never the draw for me. Yeah. So why did Adrian get into radio then? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Is it more, more the, you know, I think just something that like she was an extrovert in the, in the sense that she loved to talk and, and, right. and, um, and was able to comfortable in doing so. So she was probably more like me that way in that she liked the on air attention. Right. But then I stuffed her into that basement <laughs> and drilled that out of her. It's worked well, out well. You're a great husband. Sharon Osbourne was asked, who is the rudest celebrity she's ever met? And she said, it's that guy married to the actress who used to be on that 70s show. Oh. Ashton Kutcher. Really? That's the rudest? Yes, she calls him. She's ever met. Rude, 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 rude little boy. A dastardly little thing. Wow. This isn't the first time Sharon has mentioned Ashton. Back in 2018, she told Larry King... How she upset him when he was a guest on the talk because she got his name wrong. Right. Well, listen, when, when you are a celebrity, things like getting your name right probably would uh, account for something. And if you're on that talk show and putting the effort in, then maybe you should get their name right. I don't hold people to that. I mean, look, they're tall talking. You know, we screw names up, or I do. I think people do. I would not take offense if somebody called me Craig Ben. I'd say, oh, it's Ben. Then I'd move on. I wouldn't be a jerk about it. Yeah, but I mean, you're not doing, if they did it, if you got to the level where, you know, you're being interviewed on national television and they couldn't get your name right, I I don't know. I just, it, to me, I, I could see. And you'd be rude about it. I don't know if I'd be rude about it, but I'd probably be a little ticked off. Wow. Ego much lucky? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, you're in the celebrity business. Yeah, but people know who you are. He's Ashton Kutcher. She calls him Ashton by mistake. Right. If she pronounces it, she doesn't say Ashton, or she calls him whatever. She gets Kutcher. Kutcher wrong. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. What are you losing? The BMW 7 Series uh, commercials you've got? No, but if uh, but if he had turned around and called her uh, Sharon Osborne, oh, she, she, would, probably, she would probably be miffed at it. I can't believe you get miffed over somebody saying your name wrong. That seems to make zero sense to me. I've heard many celebrities on talk shows when they're, they're called out and then they come out and they go, you know, oh, they host and say, oh, sorry, I said your name wrong. They'll go, it's actually this, not that. Right. And you move on. Yeah. It just seems absolutely ridiculous. Seems, Unless I, everybody's getting his name wrong and then he's had enough of it. Maybe that was the fourth interview he'd done that day or that week and everybody's saying Kuchar wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, called him, just should have called him Mr. Demi Moore. Seems weird of all the people that she's met and talked to that yeah. he would be the one that would be the worst. Well, at least he's not Danny Masterson for right. that 70s That's show. true, right. Danny is doing time and hard time. He's been sentenced to 30 years to life for rape. He will soon be somebody's master son. Right. No kidding. He, uh, yeah, he's been fighting this for a long time and he's had Scientology backing him up, but, uh, too bad, Danny. You did, uh, you did a horrible thing to two different women and there could be even a third now, supposedly. So he's appealing it, of course, to try to. I read uh, comments last night from Leah Remini, who was part of the Church of Scientology and now very much not. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and she was blasting both Danny Masterson and the Church of Scientology, who she said, she said, tried to cover this up for so long and, uh, and not give these women the, the, the right to come forward or their day in court. Are you? A church trying to cover up sexual well, assault? The Church of Scientology go, go as well. figure. Even more crazy. Never heard of that before, ever. A, a religious uh, group, a cult, or even a, a bona fide uh, Catholic thing. And the priest, you know that story. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, he's uh, taken some heat at the Tonight Show, saying that uh, there was a culture of fear and anxiety around the, uh, the set of the Tonight Show for some time. Long line of TV shows have been accused of having a toxic work environment, and now The Tonight Show is a part of that list. Uh, supposedly, staff said they never knew what they were going to get, the cheerful, uh, friendly Jimmy or the belligerent and mean version who would degrade and insult his employees. There have been rumors about Jimmy's drinking for years, and some staffers claim to have witnessed him appearing drunk or smelling like booze. Others say his behavior seemed to depend on whether or not he appeared hungover. Wow. So now he has apologized. He held a Zoom meeting with staff yesterday where he said, it's embarrassing and I feel so bad. Sorry if I embarrassed you and your family and friends. I feel so bad. I can't even tell you. I want this show to be fun. It should be inclusive for everybody. And uh, some of this is saying that it was pre-COVID. You know, there was this, he had the broken finger at one point. Yeah. He had fallen down drunkenly. And so maybe he's curbed some of his drinking and he's... uh you yeah, know, well, also he's watched what happened to Ellen. Yeah, right. And uh, and and he's probably been fearing this day. Then, yeah, if, if that's the case, if he knew he was like that, and of course, you know, for the the fan or viewer, it, like the Ellen situation, when you watch Jimmy Fallon, you see their on camera persona, and you think, how could that guy ever be rude or mean right. to anyone? But. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. A lot of people wouldn't come forward to Rolling Stone to talk about this thing, but they did say they've been through like, what is it? Nine showrunners mm -hmm. in nine years, uh, which is one of the, the, the people closest to him and working under him. Yeah. 
Now, I haven't seen this Zoom meeting, but I'm wondering if it was uh, Jimmy Fallon, like Jimmy Fallon on TV, where he'll say something and then laugh very uncomfortable at nothing that's funny. <laughs> and then laugh and at repeat his... the joke. <laughs> that's all he does is he repeats well, punchline. He's, he, you know what? I, I, I think I like, you know, there's something very likable about the guy. Of course, you know, he was, he was great on SNL and he was always breaking character and all of that. And he's very talented with the impersonations, but he's the worst interview there ever was. <laughs> He's horrible at it. The monologue stinks. He's not funny. The bits. Uh, he needs it's the all bits, he's got. right? Yeah. The, the bits are all he has. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.